Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. Coming up in our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Then it's Jason Cole from Yahoo Sports. He's our NFL reporter. We'll talk about the conference championship games coming up this weekend. Should be two very good games. We'll talk about that with Jason Cole. Then in our fourth segment, it will be John Wartime from Sports Illustrated. We'll talk Aussie Open Tennis, NBA, and some other tidbits with John Wartime. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter at S. B Radio. I'm joined in studio by Brian Griggs. Griggs, uh, I'm very excited about the conference championships this weekend. Yep, going to be some fun games as they always are and interesting. Uh, I'm pulling for 49ers and uh, New England. Wow. I, I'm going to go Giants in New England, but uh, wouldn't it be interesting if you've got the rematch of Giants-New England from 2008 Super Bowl or yeah. the Harbaugh Bowl? Like, that wouldn't get any <laughs> media coverage, right? Not at all. Not at all. That, yeah, either way, it's going to be fun. These are great games, great teams, uh, good defense and some good offense, so it'll be fun. All right, Sports Business Radio headlines coming up next. We'll bring you the numbers from the divisional playoffs in the NFL. They are enormous, record-setting TV ratings for the NFL playoffs. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is SBR. Back with more after this. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. It's time, baby. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week. 
Headline number one, we're down to the final four in the NFL playoffs. It's the Niners versus Giants, and it's the Pats versus the Ravens. But, Griggs, the divisional weekend of NFL football, the most watched weekend of football at the divisional level ever. An average of 36.6 million viewers watched the floor playoff games last weekend. Giants-Packers had an average of 45.1 million viewers. Saints-Niners had an average of 35.6 million viewers. Broncos-Pats, 34.2 million viewers. And Texans-Ravens, 31 million viewers. So, big, big audiences. We talk all the time how the TV networks just extended the NFL for eight years and another you know, multi-billion dollar contract. There's no better live TV programming than NFL football and the ratings show. Yeah, definitely. And that's no surprise. And uh, I think it just, it's growing even more and more. And I think the threat of the lockout before the season this year kind of got fans even more excited and more in tune because we were following it in the offseason so much that when it finally started, we were just like, everybody's just, you know, rabid over football. And it's showing. And there's some great matchups. The playoffs have been fun. And um, I, I, I see the ratings going up this weekend and for Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl will be interesting. If you have a New England, New York Super Bowl, I think that could be the highest rated Super Bowl of all time. Brady. Eli Manning, a re uh, a repeat of the 2008 Super Bowl. But also, you know, as we discussed in our opening segment, what if you have the Harbaugh Bowl? That will be the most overplayed storyline before a Super Bowl in the history of sports, I think. Just because, you know, we've never had such a matchup before. We had all the hype earlier in the season when the two teams met in the regular season, the Niners and the Ravens, Jim and John Harbaugh. But can you even imagine if the two teams met up in the Super Bowl? I think it's crazy. And uh, you're right. I mean, the media is just going to go crazy with that and the backstories of the families and how these guys got to where they're at. You can hear it, uh, the behind the scenes stories. And they'll probably call it no, the Super Bowl no more. It'll be the Harbaugh Bowl. And, you know, at this point, you want the marquee players still left. We've seen Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews ousted with the Packers, Drew Brees ousted with the Saints, but you still got Tom Brady and Eli Manning. Those are probably the two most marquee players left in the playoffs. I think that would get a much better rating than the Harbaugh Bowl, but we'll see. That's why they play the games and uh, should be good games this upcoming weekend. Our next headline, the Indianapolis Colts continue to clean house. We know that they got rid of the the Polians, Bill and Chris Polian, brought in a new GM. Now they fired head coach Jim Caldwell. And Griggs, to me, this is another nail in the coffin of Peyton Manning's career with the Colts. I think they want to turn the page. They want to draft Andrew Luck. They hope that Andrew Luck brings them the same kind of era that Peyton Manning brought them for 12 to 14 years. And I think that's where they're going. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's just, like you said, the firing and the, the moving around of people in the in the organization. And, yeah, I think Peyton's on his way out and uh, Luck's on his way in. And I think you're right. I think they're just going to rebuild, kind of like clean slate this thing and start from scratch. And obviously, Jim Caldwell, the team kind of quit on Caldwell. I mean, last time I looked, Peyton Manning doesn't play defense. And the defense was woeful this year. And it looked like after Manning, it was announced he was out for the year. They pretty much gave up. They didn't bring the same intensity that they've uh, brought in years past when Peyton Manning was behind center and playing quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. So, again, that will be an interesting story to watch. You Darvish. Yes, you. And the Texas Rangers agreed to a new deal. You may remember that the Rangers posted $51.7 million, a blind bid, just to have the opportunity to negotiate with Yu Darvish, the flame-throwing Japanese pitcher who has uh, had comparisons to Josh Beckett. 
throws a 96 mile an hour fastball. He's got a kind of a, a flair for a personality. He's got a personality. He's marketable. But he signed a six year, $60 million deal with the Rangers. So, all in, $60 million plus the $51.7 million. A big investment by the Rangers in this Japanese pitcher, Yu Darvish. And you got to be happy if you're a Rangers fan because, I mean, look at them. Last two years, they've been right there in the hunt, uh, you know, playing good ball. And, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun pitcher to watch and exciting on the mound. And, like you said, he's got a, it seems like a good personality, which is always going to be fun for baseball because, uh, you know, good personality in baseball fits well with fans and media and all that. So. Right. And the other thing here, too, is much like the Mariners have done with Ichiro, expect the Japanese sponsors to come on board with the Rangers. There will be tons of Japanese media following the Rangers. So now the Rangers become more of a global brand, and some marketing opportunities open up for them in Japan that weren't there previously. The other interesting thing will be, do the Rangers go sign Prince Fielder? Fielder met with the Rangers, and the market for Fielder has really softened. I mean, no Yankees because they've got Mark Deschera. No Red Sox because they've got Adrian Gonzalez. The Cubs have said Prince is too rich for their blood and they'd only take him at the right price. The Washington Nationals seem hesitant after giving Jason Worth $126 million last year and that didn't pan out. So you've got very few teams that are actually able to afford someone like Prince Fielder. It will be interesting to see where he signs and does the team that sign him do they get a discount because the market is so soft? Yeah, and this is what makes baseball in the offseason kind of fun because you've got these little stories and, and just you know seeing where teams are going to go and how they're building their team and the roster for the next year. So you know, as a baseball fan, you're inter- I'm into this stuff because uh, you know these are, these are players that change a whole outlook on a team. So it's going to be fun to see, like you say, where, where Fielder goes and some of these other players that are kind of floating out there right now. And the Rangers, like the Angels, flush with cash because of a new multi-billion dollar TV deal. So they've got money to spend. And if they go on Prince Fielder and they've got Yu Darvish in the fold now, they've had a pretty good offseason, much like their division rivals, the Angels, who brought in Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson. Our last headline of the week, Mr. Beckham is going to stay in Los Angeles. Remember, he came to Los Angeles amid much fanfare. The Galaxy won the MLS Cup this year. There was lots of speculation that he could return to Europe, but he's going to stay in Los Angeles. Two-year deal, and the Galaxy are granting him permission to go play in the Summer Olympics in London if he is, in fact, part of the Great Britain team, which is hosting the Olympics. So, uh, good story all the way around for Major League Soccer, and it sounds like Beckham and his family are pretty entrenched in the Los Angeles area, and they didn't want to uproot the family. And all the women of America are very happy, I'm sure, because my wife is a major fan of David Beckham. Really? Not for his soccer ability, though. Even though he's <laughs> married to Posh Spice? Apparently. I, apparently that doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> all right, coming up next, our friend Jason Cole from Yahoo Sports. He covers the NFL for them. We'll catch up with him. We'll talk Final Four in the NFL playoffs. I'm Brian Berger, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. 
My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Right now, joining me on the phone, it's the Final Four in the NFL. And to discuss the NFL playoffs, my favorite time of year, Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports. Jason, good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. What's going on? Well, people here in Portland freak out when we get like one snowflake because we don't see it very much. So, like, it's wall to wall news coverage of Snowmageddon. <laughs> so, it's, it's pretty humorous, actually. Have you ever watched Portlandia? No, I have not watched Portlandia. Yeah, you, I, although it looks really intriguing, but I, I don't have it on my list of shows that I watch currently. Just watch one episode, and you'll get a feel for how unique. And when I say unique, I'm trying to be nice. Portland is, and I love, uh, I love Portland, but um, yeah, it's got to share freaky people. It's not <laughs> like California meets. Um, I don't know what it meets, but it's like all the people from California who burned out on California and got tired of, of the excesses of California moved to Portland, and that was like their safe haven. Yeah, it's kind of like California meets Amsterdam, is how yeah, you could... that's dis- a really good way of putting it. Yeah, that's, and I'm a West Coast guy, so yeah, I, I totally 100% agree with that. So let's talk NFL. That's why people want to hear from you this segment. Uh, we've got the final four. Let's start with the Pats and the Ravens. Everyone rips on the Patriots' defense, but if you look at what they've done the last eight or nine games, they're only giving up about 18.5 points a game, which isn't terrible, Jason. No, it's not terrible, but they look really bad early in games. And when they look bad, they look, I mean, it's, it's awful. You know, it's like bad tackling, it's like stuff you'd see from a bad high school team. Uh, so they've had their moments where they look atrocious, and then they figure it out. And the last like four games of the season, they always figured it out in the second half, pretty much, and got the game under control. And then Brady took over, pretty you know. And then this last game, they played pretty well from start to finish. Uh, they had the one touchdown that they gave up after the turnover by Brady, the interception they threw. That you know basically was a short field, and they weren't going to be able to defend that. But everything else was was excellent, I would say. So they seem to have it on, under control. But I'm not sure if that's because they played Denver and the second time and they were playing Tebow and they'd figured it all out, or if they've just gotten better. I mean, there's a chance that the Patriots could meet Tebow, Flacco, and maybe Alex Smith on their way to winning a Super Bowl championship. In a a postseason that included Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Ben Roethlisberger, and they've seen none of them. Right. So you're getting off pretty easy. Uh that would uh, that would be a uh, understatement. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's talk about Tom Brady because what I'm seeing from him is, you know, the six touchdown passes last week. The question is, can anyone outscore the Patriots? Because the offense is operating on all cylinders right now. Yeah. The thing about it is that eventually you, 
some of that stuff gets stopped when you play a better defenses, and they're playing a defense that has played them a number of times, four times since the, the start of the 2007 season, when they switch to this sort of high-octane, hurry-up kind of attack where they're throwing the ball more with Brady. And they've sacked him at least three times. In, uh, actually, they've sacked him three times in every single one of those games. And the Patriots have never scored more than, I don't think, 26 in any of those games. So they've done a pretty nice job of keeping the Patriots under control. The exception to that is they've only played them once since Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez became fixtures of the offense, and that was early last season. So I'm really interested to see how the Ravens handle that tight end combination of Gronkowski and Hernandez if they're able to contain those guys. Yeah, everyone talks about the 33-14 to win by the Ravens in New England a few years ago, but you're right, Hernandez and Gronkowski, and even Wes Welker, I think, missed that Wes game. Welker was hurt in that game. So, I mean, look, the, the Patriots were really damaged in that game. In fact, uh, Brady played that game with broken ribs. Uh, he was a shell of himself. I think Randy Moss was a little bit hampered in that game. So, look, it was that, that was a shadow of what the, the Patriots are normally – and certainly a shadow of what they are right now. So to me, there's no question in my mind that this is the, the best Patriots team to face the Ravens in that time. It's going to be the biggest challenge for the Ravens to keep them under control. And that's why I think the game is, I think the Patriots get up to like 28 or 31 points, and that's where it becomes can Joe Flacco score enough points for the Ravens to pull this game out. You know, an amazing stat I saw, New England's tight ends caught the ball 31 times total in 2008. Now you see Gronkowski and Hernandez are such fixtures in New England. Well, they got, what, 160 passes this year combined? I mean, they're they're like wide receivers almost. And Bill Belichick has figured out the way of basically using the tight end position like the queen on the chessboard like no one else has figured out. And he's really come up with two great athletes. Uh, one is your classic tight end in Gronkowski, this big, you know, hulking sort of six foot five, six foot six guy, who's that classic end-of-the-line kind of guy um, who also has the ability to flex out and play in the slot, along with Hernandez, who's big enough to handle it, but flexes out, can even play a little wide receiver, and occasionally you line him up in a running back, uh, you know, depending on what the situation is, if you're per- depending on what personnel you have on the field. So they have, they have the ultimate group of players who I think who really mess with the defense's personnel and create all sorts of matchup problems. New England is six and two in AFC championships, including three and zero at home all time. Let's talk about the Giants and Niners, two of the hottest teams in football. I got to tell you, Alex Smith far exceeded my expectations for what his ceiling was last weekend. Were you surprised by his performance? Was there anybody? in the national media, or even anybody sitting in Candlestick Park during that game, or whatever they call that, that stadium now, who thought, with a minute and a half left, that Alex Smith was going to produce a second drive for a touchdown. Any, any one person that you can possibly imagine who thought that was going to happen. If they did, they were probably lying, right? Either that or they were on their way back from Amsterdam. <laughs> That's so, true. Look, I mean... I'm just telling you that what he did was that, that's kind of career-altering stuff. It's you know it's either a great once-in-a-lifetime moment or it's one of those things where Alex Smith got it all together and now all of a sudden this is the takeoff point for a great career. 
And that's going to be what's interesting to watch. Giants 4-0 all-time in the NFC Championship game. Niners 5-7. And, and, you know, both of those teams really hot. The Giants may be playing the best football on both sides of the ball of any of the four remaining teams. I would say so. I like the Giants a lot. Uh, I mean, I, they still have their holes. I think their secondary can be attacked, although they did a terrific job against Green Bay. You know, Green Bay hurt themselves with all those drops, and you know, and the couple of passes where Rodgers was really off his timing. So, you know, they they hurt themselves quite a bit um, there. But I still I still think the Giants, with their front seven playing as well as they are right now, create a really formidable task uh, for this game. And I really look at this game as a complete coin flip. I have no real strong conviction over who's going to win. I always go with the quarterbacks and the guys who have been there before. That's why I'm going to take the Patriots with Brady, the Giants with Eli Manning for a repeat of the Super Bowl that we saw in 2008. I just I think both teams are pretty closely matched on in each championship game and give me the best quarterbacks and that's who I usually go with. Do you uh, agree? That's a very logical way of, of approaching it. Um, I wouldn't disagree with you one bit. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I mean, look, it's a quarterback-driven game. We all know that. And even when defenses are playing well, it's still about whether the quarterback can make enough plays. So I, I think that logic is fine. I'm probably going to end up picking San Francisco just to be a little bit different and see a San Francisco-New England matchup. But, again, I have no overwhelming conviction about the Giants and uh, the Giants and the 49ers. Pretty amazing how Jim Harbaugh has come in and completely changed the mindset and culture of the Niners, and especially his work with Vernon Davis and Alex Smith. Yeah, I would say that. I was on radio in San Francisco, and everybody before the season was asking, how can we possibly have Alex Smith be our quarterback? What are we doing? What's the franchise doing? What is Harbaugh doing? I'm like, oh, he's just, you know, he's, basically laying the, the groundwork for Kaepernick to eventually take over. Just relax. No, it's, you know, just wants to get through with a veteran quarterback. And now all of a sudden, Alex Smith is a franchise guy almost. I mean, especially when you consider his interception numbers and how he kept that under control so effectively. I mean, the touchdown numbers are still a little bit low, but some of that has to do with the wide receiver position. I, it, he has made such huge strides. And Vernon Davis, look, Vernon Davis was on the right path even when Mike Singletary was there. He had back-to-back 900-yard seasons. He had really taken the things that Mike Singletary said and took them to heart and really focused his game. So to me, Davis is more, but this is a natural progression for a for a young man who's who's learned some tough, who learned some fairly tough lessons being embarrassed by his coach uh, a couple of years ago. So I, I I think that I think Davis has been naturally gifted player. Just took a little while and and flourished. Under, is flourishing under Harbaugh, but was already on that path beforehand. Last question before I let you go. Yesterday, John Elway came out and said Tim, Tim Tebow is going to be the starter going into next year. Surprising, not surprising, your thoughts on that? Not surprising. I thought Tim Tebow played well enough. I mean, I completely see Elway's logic and the team's logic. You saw enough out of him that if he can get better, you know, he can be, become accurate and do a better job of reading defenses, he has a chance. Um, to be uh, an outstanding player, I, 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 you know, I understand that, but he's got a long way to go. There, there's, there's little question about that. He's got to get himself up into the 55 to 60 percent completion, you know, percentage area, in order to be effective down in and down out. He's got to do a better job of reading defenses. Otherwise, 
every team's going to do basically what Kansas City and New England did over, over the past few weeks and really just collapse on that option game, play very disciplined football. The exception to that was Pittsburgh, which did not play disciplined football in any way, shape, or form. Their, their players made such huge mistakes in how they handle the option attack, and, and that allowed Tebow to have such a great game. Now, give him credit. He had a great game, and that's why you say, okay, there's something to work with there. But the leash is probably going to be fairly short, I would, I would say, and I would, I would not be surprised if they draft a quarterback you know, in the third round even uh, in the upcoming draft. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. That's all the time we have with Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports. Always great to catch up with you, Jason. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Be good. Thank you. Thank you. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Class heroes, baby. If I was just another dusty record on the shelf, would you blow me off and play me like everybody else? If I asked you to scratch my back, could you manage that? Like if we had chicken travel, I can handle that. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Let's go to the phone right now and talk to John Wartime from Sports Illustrated. John, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'd be be happy to talk about the Blazers too, but uh, how are you doing, Brian? I'm doing well. So are you like in Australia? Are you in New York? Where in the world is John Wartime today? I'm in the United Lounge at JFK with 28 hours of travel ahead of me. Oh, so you're going down under. Yeah, I'm going down. I had a couple things I had to finish up, but now I'm getting on the big bird and uh, headed down there. I've made that flight before, and I've gone to the Aussie Open. I love Australia, but the flight is brutal. Exactly. I mean, there's no sugar coating the travel, but once once you get there, it's great. So I'm I'm, I'm not complaining. It's a, it's a fun event, great country, and... Uh, you know, it's also about literally 90 degrees warmer than it is where I am now, so so that's always good. Is Andy Roddick done? I saw he had to retire yesterday. He's got a bad back. He, you know, what was he, a 15 seed in this tournament? How much longer does Andy Roddick have? That's a good question. I was just writing about that today, saying, you know, one of the cruel things about tennis is you, you can't go Mike Bibby. You know, you, you can't. Andy Roddick would be a great DH in another sport, but uh, you're, you're either winning or you're losing. And unfortunately in tennis, um, you know, the, you don't really ease gracefully into retirement. It's, uh, it hasn't been a good 18 months for him. And I think, you know, I think honestly it's just physically he's just breaking down. And, um, you know, obviously he had to retire last night. And, it, um, you, know, you know, he's one of the guys you, you root for as an American. He's certainly done a lot in the last 10 years. But, yeah, I think we're, uh, you know, the, the odometer's got a lot of miles on it right now. What did you make of Serena Williams a few weeks ago saying she has a love-hate relationship with tennis? I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I think people kind of miss the context. One of her close advisors, actually a guy who was uh, in, in Portland and Seattle, Kevin Davis, who's one of her longtime advisors, had just died of a, of a brain tumor right before she went down, and Venus was hurt. And, you know, I mean, I think if you ask most athletes under the worst circumstances how they feel about their sport, um, you know, the, the relationship varies. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's interesting. Serena's never been in love with tennis, it's never defined her, it's never consumed her. But I think that's one reason why, you know, at age 30, she might win this thing. At the same time, I think it makes a lot of people mad. Oh, you have these gifts and you don't maximize them. And, you know, I mean, if if you've been following her career for 12 years now, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that tennis kind of goes up and down the depth chart on her priorities. But I think also people just caught her at a really bad time personally and professionally. And, you know, if, if she'd said at that particular moment, yes, I love tennis, uh, you know, she probably would have been lying. We're joined by John Wartime of Sports Illustrated. John, you're an NBA guy. You used to work here in Portland. I was saying before you came on, you were with Rip City Magazine and part of the Blazer organization back in the day, and that's how we met. Give me your thoughts on the NBA so far this season coming off of the lockout. Does it feel good to you? You know, I I feel like the NFL just eating everyone's lunch now. I mean, I don't don't know how it is. I mean, you're you're in a you know obviously an NBA market with no football team, but here, I mean, the Knicks as mediocre as they're playing, it's sort of irrelevant. I mean, it's just a footnote, and I feel a little like that. I've, I've traveled a bunch recently, and I just feel like the NFL is just eating everything for lunch. I mean, Syracuse might be undefeated, and Alabama may have beaten LSU uh, last week, and it just it just doesn't matter. So I think it'll be easier to get a sense of the NBA once we're done with the Super Bowl. But, you know, I, I feel like the NBA had so much momentum after that Dallas-Miami series. And, you know, what, what do we know post-lockout? The David Stern blocked a trade, and the Clippers are better, but they're still not great. And, I mean, I, I mean, you tell me, like, what are, if, if you're the casual sports fan, what are the NBA stories so far? The teams are playing a lot of games, and guys are getting hurt, and Oklahoma City's good, but the Stars are fighting. And it, it just seems like we'll have a better sense once, you know, the NFL is done. But I, I do feel like, glad there's a season, but I feel like the NBA's definitely lost some traction, um, you know, from, from where we were at the finals in June. Yeah, it is interesting because you look at, you know, the Celtics are off to a really tough start. you got Ainge talking about maybe breaking that team up and their championship window closing. The Lakers, Kobe's having a great season, but, you know, there's always the Dwight Howard talk that's lingering there. So some of the teams that have been marquee teams for the last five, ten years may not be such marquee teams. And I wonder, are those other teams, Miami, Chicago, Oklahoma City, are they ready to carry the torch? Yeah, exactly, and there, there are an awful lot of young players. But I, I think the other thing, too, is we were told from the very beginning that the scheduling is going to be an issue and players are going to take games off and you're going to have these back-to-back-to-backs. And you also sort of wonder how accurately the standings right now are reflecting merit and whether some teams are just kind of coasting through the regular season. Um, you, you know, if, if where we are now in the standings is really sort of an accurate prediction of where everybody's going to and, uh, but, no, it's interesting. I mean, the teams, you, you look and just kind of go through, I mean, is, are the Pacers a championship team? Probably not. Are the Bulls? You know, they're awful young. Same for Oklahoma. And you do wonder, I mean, I'm just going to see how it plays out. But I think the fact that um, that this sort of health is, is going to be such an issue, we saw already, you know, Ginobili went down. You just have a sense that some of these teams are, are sort of robo-doping it a little bit just because they don't want to burn out in this regular season. Just get me into the playoffs, and then we'll see how good they are. I love the rope-a-dope analogy on the week of the 70th birthday of right. Muhammad Ali. Nice how you got that in. Uh, what do you think about the Blazers? I know you pay attention to them from the East Coast. What's the uh, East Coast think of the Blazers? Yeah, I, mean, I just caught the tail end of what you said, but I, I think you pretty much nailed it. And, you know, 
go back. I mean, when you and I were there, we're, we're embarrassingly enough going on 50, 20 years here. An awful lot of seven, eight, make the playoffs, go out in the first round appearance. But I can't imagine another team has had more first round appearance, which really kind of hamstrings you. You don't get the great draft picks, and you don't, uh, you know, at the same, you don't really want to rebuild, but at the same time, you know, you're not good enough to win. And I think that's kind of, you know, we had some sort of exciting years a couple years ago. I mean, obviously some horrible injury luck, but I think you're right. I think maybe it's time to really shake things up because what, what do you have? A couple of nice pieces, but not really a contending team. And this this feels an awful lot like it did in. I mean, you tell me, you know, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. I mean, there were years and years where the Blazers were stuck in this position, and it seems like they're sort of headed there again. Before I let you go, I know you are an author, a best selling author, and you always have some great books out. What's your latest book project? Um, I think we're going to do another. You know, we sort of did this, this sports freakonomics type book, uh, scorecasting, we called it, and I think. You know, after we read the book, people were saying, oh, you know, I, great book, but how come you never looked at this? And the teams that wear black get called for more penalties, and why is there fan violence? And there were so many sort of ideas that came out of that. I, I think it looks like we're going to do a sequel on that book, so another sort of sports and behavioral economics type book. Now, I loved it a lot because it did dispel a lot of the myths that exist in sports. Scorecasting, right? And it's in paperback now, too, right? Came out this week in paperback. Thanks See? For See, I, I pay attention. Appreciate that. All right, John Wartime, he's headed down under to Melbourne. I'm so jealous. I wish I was headed to Australia and to warmer weather. It's pouring like cats and dogs here in Portland. All-time great city you live in. You get you get no sympathy from me. I <laughs> Portland, even in January. All right, John Wartime. Follow him on Twitter at John, J-O-N underscore Wartime. And uh, he's a great follow there. John, thanks for taking the time to catch up. Safe travels and uh, enjoy the sun. Thanks. Appreciate it. We'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Brian. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. You would not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies lit up the world as I... It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. This is Sports Business Radio. Well, Griggs, one of the things I love in sports is when athletes know the right time to step away. We see it so often, they just can't do it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Muhammad Ali, by the way, happy 70th birthday to Muhammad Ali this week. Michael Jordan came back with the Wizards. And now... Another athlete who just can't say, you know what, I had a good career. I had a Hall of Fame career. I'm going to walk away. This week, former NFL wide receiver Terrell Owens, T.O., announced on Twitter 
that he's going to play and become co-owner of the Allen Wranglers of the Indoor Football League. Griggs, just how any Hall of Famer should end their career, playing for a Mickey Mouse circus-like league. It sounds like a, a Jay Leno montage. I mean, it's like, is, are you serious? What? No way. <laughs> I mean, that just, it doesn't make sense. The IFL is a 16-team league consisting of teams from various states, such as Green Bay, even though that's not a state, uh, Sioux Falls, Chicago, New Mexico, Wyoming, and Nebraska. Somehow... I don't think T.O. is going to live quite the high life that he lived in the NFL playing in the IFL. Yeah, out there in the middle of the Midwest, uh, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. Uh, And, you know, the thing that that could keep him going is if he, you know, continues his character like he has in the NFL and does some crazy media things, which I'm sure will happen, uh, then maybe he'll continue to... to fly high, I don't know. The problem is NFL teams don't want him in their locker room. Um, he's a marginal player at best at this point in his career, so he's not worth the risk. So instead of just walking away, having a press conference, or announcing via statement, you know what, my career's over, it's been a Hall of Fame career, I've enjoyed it, he's got to keep the spotlight on him somehow by going to play in the IFL. Kind of a sad ending to the career of Terrell Owens, but some guys just can't step away from the spotlight. All right, thanks to Jason Cole from Yahoo Sports, John Wartime from Sports Illustrated. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Doug Zanger, and Max Waterman. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our show podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. We're giving you more content every week in our podcast, so give us a review. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.